This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. We're going to take our copy of God's Word, and we're going to stand stand up. We'll do that. And we're going to take our iPad, iPhone, whatever we have. It doesn't matter. We have it right here on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. This is what the Bible says. It says, neither give place to the devil. Give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good. There's a principle there, folks. There won't anything work until you do. And the, the harder you work, you'll find the luckier you get. Amen? Uh, setting still and wishing makes no man great. The good Lord sends the fishing, but you've got to dig the bait. Amen? All right. That he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Look what the Bible says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I want to talk to you about Satan's strongholds. Satan's strongholds. The year was 1912, and there was a ship, and the name of the ship was the Titanic. And the Titanic set sail from Newfoundland to New York. It was a maiden voyage, 2,200 people on this ship. There was a seaman on the ship. His name was David Blair. And David Blair was excited about being a part of this maiden voyage, but the captain came to him right before the ship was to sail, and he said, uh, you're not going to be a part of this voyage. We're going to use a more experienced seaman in your place. So David Blair was not a part of the voyage. But he was very, very important because he had the key to the nest locker. And inside the nest locker, they kept the binoculars. But he forgot to pass that key on. He forgot to pass the key on. So when they needed the binoculars... They couldn't get in to the compartment that held them because they didn't have the key. Now, if they could have just gotten that little key, perhaps they could have gotten those binoculars and looked in the distance and saw a massive iceberg and 1,503 people may have lived had they just gotten the key. Now, this is what I know from that story. Little things have great impact. Little things have great impact. That's why the Bible says in the Song of Solomon 2.15, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's those little foxes that come in there at the springtime before the grapes have ripened and eat the grapes and start chewing on the vine and destroys the crop 
It's the little foxes that destroy the vine. Now, when God said, don't give place to the devil, God being omniscient knew that just a, a little thing can do great damage. A little thing in your life can do great damage. You know, if you watch the Weather Channel, you hear about the tornadoes, you hear about the hurricanes. But let me tell you something. Every year in America, termites destroy more than, than any hurricane or any tornado. Termites do more damage in America than any of that. Because, see, folks, it's the little things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Now, I want us to look at something. I want us to look at creating a climate for the devil. Creating a climate for the devil. Now, you know this verse that says, neither give place to the devil. You look at that verse and you wonder, who was that verse written to? Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 and 1 that that verse was written to the saints which are at Ephesus. It was written to Christian people. It was written to people just like us. <laughs> People that have accepted Christ, they followed the Lord in believer's baptism. They're part of a church family. We're not a member of the first church at Ephesus, but we're a member, most of us, of Rock Springs. It's talking about people just like us. It's saying people just like you, people just like me, we can give place to the devil. Now, let me share something. When the Bible says, Neither give place to the devil. That little word place, see, the Bible wasn't written in English. The New Testament was written in Greek. And that little word place comes from the Greek word topos. We get the word topography. It's talking about land. It's talking about ground. And what happens, folks, we give ground to the devil. And then 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says the devil gets a stronghold in our lives. Something just so small, something we thought was so little, it started out so small, it started out so little, but the devil gets a stronghold in our lives. And before long, rather than us controlling it, it's controlling us. Now, what creates a climate for a stronghold in your life? What creates a climate for a stronghold in my life? What's so wonderful when he said, don't give place to the devil? He turns around and tells us what creates a climate for it. Let me give you five of those things. Not that I say that the Bible says. The first thing that creates a climate for a stronghold in our life is lying. It's lying. Look what Ephesians 4 and 25 says. Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. John 8 and 44 says the devil's a liar and he's the father of all liars. And I want you to understand, folks, if you live a lie, if you love a lie, if you tell a lie, you say, well, pastor, it, it was just a little white lie. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as a little white lie. 
It's either a lie or it's the truth. It's either a lie or it's the truth. If you said you were at a place but you weren't at that place, that's a lie. If you embellish something, that's a lie. If you text something that's not true, that's a lie. If you deceive people, that's a lie. If you don't tell the whole story, that's a lie. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm just preaching what the Bible says. What we're doing, we're creating a climate for the devil in our lives. Because I want you to understand, Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John 17 and 17 said, thy word is true. No, it's not a half truth. It's a whole lie. And when we lie, we create a climate for the devil. Johnny was a little boy, but he had a problem with lying. And he said to his mom, Mom, there's a gorilla in the backyard. She goes out there. She said, Johnny, you've lied. That's not a gorilla. That's a St. Bernard. You get up in your room. You ask God to forgive you. Johnny goes up in his room, gets on his knees, and comes back down. His mother says, did you ask Jesus to forgive you? He said, yes, I did. She said, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Mom, the first time he saw that dog, he thought it was a gorilla too. <laughs> Lying creates a climate. It creates a climate to give place to the devil. But there's a second thing, not that I said it, but it's in, it's in the next verse. Look what it says. It's anger. It's anger. Be ye angry and sin not. It's okay, folks, to get angry. Jesus got angry, remember? He got angry when they were in the temple. They turned it into a, a blue light special with Walmart, and they weren't praying. And he said, you've made my house, should be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. He kicked over those tables. He had fire in his eyes. He was angry. But here's what I know. The way to be angry and sin not is to be angry at sin. See, Jesus never got angry over what somebody did to him. He always got angry over what was done to others. I read this week that the average woman, the average woman loses her temper three times a week. Some of you men are saying, not my wife. The average man loses his temper six times a week. Yeah. Women get angry at people. Men get angry at things. They get angry at the bulldozer. They get angry at the truck. They get angry at the computer. <laughs> Women, when they get angry, they're, they're verbal. Men, when they get angry, they're physical. You know what was interesting, folks? It was so interesting to me. The number one place where people get angry, the number one place where I get angry, the number one place where you get angry is home. 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 You know what I believe? I believe if you can be a good Christian at home, you can be a good Christian anywhere. Amen? If you can have a good, a good home life, a good relationship at home, if you, hey, if you can be a good Christian at home, you can be a good Christian at work. Amen? <laughs> and by the way, if we can't, there's no need of exporting it. Amen? But you know this whole process, I thought, God, you're so wise. Well, you're omniscient. You're so, you know. But I, I just looked at Ephesians 31. 4 and 31, look what it says. Look at this process. Let all bitterness. What is bitterness? Here's what it is, folks. It's when you deem somebody's done you wrong. 
He's done me wrong. She's done me wrong. I've been taken advantage of. It starts out with bitterness, but look, it doesn't, it doesn't like, stay there. And wrath. You know what wrath means? It comes from a Greek word. It means to burn. I mean, it, it's when you burn inside. You burn. But it, but it doesn't end there. It moves, the Bible says it moves to anger. See, if wrath is what you feel, <laughs> anger is wrath turned inside out. It's what people see. See, it starts out with bitterness. It moves to wrath. It moves to anger. And then clamor. What is clamor? It's loud yelling. It's loud yelling. It's when your mate says, stop yelling. And you say, I'm not yelling. <laughs> Some of you are saying, this man's been in our house this week. And then it moves to evil speaking. We start saying, you're just like your mama. <laughs> and we start saying those things we regret. Evil speaking. But let me tell you something, folks. Get this down. Get this down. What creates a climate? What gives place to the devil? Lying gives place to the devil. And, and hey, by the way, you said, Pastor Benny, oh, you're, 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 you're such a godly man. I'm such a godly man. I can't wait to move past this point. Thank you, sis. <laughs> you know, get real. Sometimes the Word of God blesses your heart, but sometimes it busts your heart. So we lying, anger, but wait, then there's a there's a third thing. There's a third thing. And it's stealing. Stealing. Now look what the Bible says. I, I'm just folks, I'm just about knee deep in the Bible. Let him that stole steal no more. Wait. A lady standing before a judge. The judge said, ma'am, did you steal that can of peaches? She said, yes, I did. He said, how many peaches was in that can? She said, six. He said, I sentence you to six months in jail. Her husband said, judge, 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 judge. She also stole a can of peas. what John 10 and 10 says. The thief cometh but for to steal. Get this down, folks. If you take a pencil from your place of employment that you're not authorized to take, that's stealing. If you take a pencil, that's stealing. You say, does, does something that small matter, Pastor? Well, look what Luke 16 and 10 says. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is, wait, unjust in the least is unjust also in much. What's that say, Pastor Benny? It says, wait, if you'd steal a dollar, 
you'll steal a hundred thousand dollars. And if you're willing to take a dollar, you're willing to take a hundred thousand dollars. And what that says, ladies and gentlemen, you're creating a climate for the devil. You're creating a climate for the devil. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that is stealing. Let me tell you something else. When you assassinate somebody else's character, when you assassinate somebody else's character, you know what you do? You steal their reputation. And what you're doing in your life, you're creating a place for the devil. That's stealing, folks. Let, let, let me say, so, since I'm already this far out and already made everybody mad. Look here. When we don't tithe, I'm just going to preach the book. Look what it says. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. I'm just saying, folks, when we do that, it creates, it creates a climate for the devil. There's a, there's a fourth thing I want to give it to you. It's in the text, and it's our speech. Look, look what Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. There was a preacher told a little boy one time, he said, Let me tell you something, son. When I hear somebody swear, it sends a cold chill up my back. That little boy said, Preacher, I'm glad you weren't at my house yesterday because my daddy was putting up a shutter and he hit his thumb with a hammer and you would have frozen to death. <laughs> but let me tell you something, folks. I ran across this and I thought, I told Barbara, I said, Barbara, this is good. I need to practice this. Before I say it, I wish I would think. And what I mean, I would think, I wish I would take that little word think, and I wish I would say, is this true? I wish I would say, is this helpful? I wish I would say, is this inspiring? I wish I would say, is this necessary? I wish I would say, is this kind? I wish I'd ask myself those five questions. I wish I would just think and say, is this true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Because, folks, when our speech is not right, we create a place for the devil. When we're always negative, when we're always down on somebody, when we come to church and then we have pastor for lunch, we're negative about the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. What you're doing is you're creating a climate for the devil in your life. Let me tell you something. When I first became the pastor of this church, there was a lady who I had great respect for, and she said to me, she said, I want you to know something, Benny. It's easier to think negative than it is to think positive. And let me tell you, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. I'm just telling you, folks, what, we do, what the Bible says. Our speech, because death and life's in the power of the tongue. 
And what we say is powerful. Let me tell you the fifth thing, and I'm almost done. That's a lie. <laughs> it's bitterness. Look what the Bible says. Let all bitterness and wrath. Bitterness. Lady goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, you've got infectious rabies. Infectious rabies. Hand me a sheet of paper. And the doctor says, ma'am, there's no need in you taking a sheet of paper. There's no need of you taking a sheet of paper. There's no need of you writing out your will. She said, I'm not wanting to write out my will. I'm wanting to write out all the people I want to bite. <laughs> now, here's the point I wanted to get to in the message, and I mean this. How do we break the strongholds? Whether the stronghold is lust, whether it's envy, whether it's pride, whether it's jealousy, whether it's negativity, whether it's malice, whether it's pornography, whether it's some addiction, whether it's some vice, whether it's materialism. How, Pastor, how can I break the stronghold in my life? And by the way, folks, most have some. Most have some. There's so much bad in the best of us, and there's so much good in the worst of us, it hardly behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. Most of us have some things that we're struggling with, that we need victory over. You say, Pastor, well, how can we get victory? Let me give you some steps here. Number one, you've got to recognize your need. You've got to recognize your need. There's a verse, folks, that, I believe, that, that, that I've never thought about. But look what it says. It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And throughout my ministry, I've said this. For those that don't know Christ, you can be set free. Jesus can set you free. And by the way, folks, I still believe that, and I know that to be uh, emphatically the truth. But that's not what that verse is dealing with. Let me explain. Look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews, wait, which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. They were believers. They had believed on him. They were us. But Jesus said to them in verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They knew the Lord, but apparently they had strongholds in their lives. They knew the Lord, but apparently they had bondage in their life. That tells me, ladies and gentlemen, you can know the Lord and still be under bondage. You can know the Lord and not be free. And here's where, come up real close, come up real close. Because here's the biggest battle, recognizing have a need. And by the way, I want to commend you because it's always been a struggle with people. Let me explain. Look at verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. Get real. You spent 400 years in bondage to the Egyptians 
At the time of this writing, you were in bondage to the Romans, and you're saying you've never been in bondage? They had a difficult time, ladies and gentlemen, recognizing their need. And here's what I'm saying, even in my life, it's easy to recognize his need. It's easy to recognize her need. It's easy to recognize his need, but it's hard to recognize my need. It's hard to recognize my need. I, I see it in everybody else, and I can tell everybody what they ought to be doing, but what about me? Maybe it's that old hymnal we need. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. But it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So the first step is to recognize your need. Let, let, me, let me tell you the second step is to repent. Now, somebody said that means you're sorry for your sin. Yeah, it does. It means you're remorseful. But understand this, folks. If you tra trace it back to the, the word metanoia, it means going in the other direction. Going in the other direction. It means you ask God to forgive you, then you go in the other direction. You say, well, well explain, Pastor. Here, I'll explain. Every day at, at the office, you're flirting with Sally. And what you do after you repent, you repent, you get away from Sally. Yeah, you, you just, yeah, you, you, you go in the other direction. You go in the other direction. You say, well, hey, Pastor Benny, I, I, I'm be honest with you, I'm a, I, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Well, here's a thought. Stay away from the bar. This is not rocket science, amen? You, you go in the other direction. Step number three. I guess you're waiting on it. <laughs> you request God reclaim the ground. Say, Pastor, where did you get that? Actually, I was taught it probably 35 years ago from an old guy by the name of Bill Gothard. Bill Gothard. And he talked about reclaiming the ground, and it's biblical because Psalms 23 and 3 says, He restoreth my soul. Let me explain. You're 12 years old, and you're looking at a pornographic magazine. And you ask God to forgive you. By the way, he did. But let me tell you something. You gave ground up to the devil when you were 12 years old. And you can't reclaim that ground. Only God can reclaim that ground. You can't do it. Only God can do it. Only God can reclaim that ground from Satan because I want you to know you're no match for Satan, but Jesus Christ is a match for Satan. And then I'm done, folks. But this is the last point. Realign your life with accountability. Realign your life with accountability. Did you know 59 times the Bible says one another, serve one another, pray for one another, care for one another, greet one another. Here's what Christianity is about. It's about one another and one another. We ought to one another, one another. And that's why I say to you today, everybody 
needs a church family. Everybody ought to be a part of a church family. And let me tell you something else. Not only should you be a part of a church family, but you need to get in a small group within that family. You say, Pastor, boy, you come up with these novel plans. Where do you get all this stuff? Jesus. Remember, he had a group of 12. And I want to challenge you to get into a group. Sometimes they'll say to me here at the church, Bob's mad. I say, what's Bob angry about? His wife got sick and nobody cared for her. And I'll say the first question, were they in a small group? If they'd been in a small group, we would have known. See, let me tell you something, folks. I can't stand here and look back there on the back row and say, that lady on the very last row is probably having gallbladder surgery this week. But if I know that lady on the back row is having gallbladder surgery, we're going to care for her. And the way we're going to care for her is through a small group. And I want to challenge you, September the 8th, September the 8th, we launch our life groups again. Everybody ought to say, I need to get in a life group because I need people to want another me and I need to want another people. And we all need to be part of a family. We all need to be a part of a life group. We need each other, folks. And then there's a last thing I'd say. You need accountability in your life. If there's something you're struggling with as a man, you get you some godly men around you and say, hold me accountable. I struggle with this. I need you to call me. If, if you're a lady and there's something you struggle with, no, no. You say, well, I'm in a class of 35 people and I'm sharing it in there. I wouldn't recommend that. But what I would recommend you, you get around a few godly people and say, I'm, I'm, I'm having a struggle here and I need you to pray and I need you to hold me accountable. Here's what I want you to know, folks. That stronghold in your life, you can get victory over. You can have victory. Satan's having victory right now, but you can have victory. Here's what I want to do in this service. Years ago, I prayed this prayer. I prayed this prayer about God reclaiming ground in my life. And something supernatural happened in my heart. And I've prayed this prayer with thousands of men and women. And there's something supernatural will happen in your heart. Because only God can reclaim that ground. Here's what we're going to do. In a few moments, we're going to sing. I'm going to ask you to come. You said, Pastor Benny, so you're looking at a thousand people today in this sanctuary. How many, of you, how many of them do you believe have a stronghold? Probably about 998. You say, you've got to be kidding. You believe that? Uh, really do. But here's what I want to do. I want you to come, and I want to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat the prayer with me. You say, see, let, let, me, let me tell you what. The devil's not fighting you in five areas. He's not fighting you in six areas. He's not fighting you in four areas. No, no, he's too smart for that. He's coming at the same area in your life. The same area. 
the same area, but I want you to know Jude 1 and 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're the head and not the tail. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You can have victory today. I can have victory. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I can't get over the addiction. Oh, yes, you can get over the addiction. You can get on the other side of the addiction. You can have victory over the addiction. You can have victory over the vice. You say, Pastor, I'd give anything. I'd give anything if I could quit smoking. Oh, friend, you can quit smoking because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. I just believe that. Folks, let me tell you something. If I can't, if I can't, I've got to quit. But if I can't trust him, to meet every need in my life, I can't trust him to save my soul. If, if, I, if I can't trust him to give me victory, I better not trust him for salvation. But folks, I've trusted him for salvation. And you can trust him for victory in your life. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now come into my heart Lord and forgive me of all my sin now thank you Lord for forgiving me thank you for coming in to my life amen friend congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make and I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling he's a fact this decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make, and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.